What's up, Atlanta sports fans? I'm Graham Waldrop, and alongside me, as always, is Adam Kalal, and we're Atlanta Zone. Two Atlanta natives recapping the week that was in Atlanta professional sports. Wacky ass hijinks and analysis. Adam, how's it going, sir? Graham? I'm uh, doing okay over here. Mm. Uh, about as good as anyone can do that's in the Atlanta sports podcast game and has their football team eliminated uh, before the end of October. Are we officially eliminated? Well, not officially, but essentially. Yes. So, dealing with that. Sure. Um, but, enjoying watching some Hawks basketball and United soccer. So, we got that going still, Graham. Yeah, the Hawks have gone off to a really nice start, 2-1 and one on the year. Almost beat the 76ers last night and lost by two points at home. And United looks really good um, as well. They took out some other loser team in the semifinals. Philadelphia. Philadelphia Union, yes. And are set to play tomorrow night in the Eastern Conference Finals to decide who will go to the MLS Cup against another team that I don't remember. Uh, Tomorrow we play Toronto. Toronto. Toronto, who is the... They won the championship two years ago. Okay. I think they've been in the championship like two out of the last three years. They've won like 11 straight matches Wow, as well. Well, so uh, it's not going to be an easy one, but uh, we're at home, which, like we said last week, is just so strange that for one sport, it's a massive home field advantage. Big time. For the other sport, it's a graveyard. Right. It's almost like a curse. Yeah. And not just for the Braves, but Falcons as well. I mean, I know the last time we had home field uh, playoff advantage (laughs) for the Falcons, we actually did well, which was when we beat the Packers and the Seahawks to go to the Super Bowl. But we've had plenty of horrific choke jobs in the postseason with uh, the Falcons, including that NFC title game we were up, I believe, 24-10 at the half against San Francisco, the game we went to. Well, in this instance, Graham, I was specifically referring to the actual stadium, Mercedes-Benz, and its current state. I was saying about Atlanta sports. And by one team, I meant Atlanta United, who have a lot of fans. And the other team, I meant the Atlanta Falcons, who do not have a lot of fans currently. I put a gun to your head like I do every week. Right. The the metaphorical, imaginary gun to your head. I'm going to tell you that one team is getting 30,000 people to come to a game. I'm going to tell you another team is getting... 70,000, 60 to 70,000 people to come to uh, a game. And I said the two teams are United and the Falcons. And let's say you've been also, you've just woken up from a coma and I'm pointing a gun at your head and saying, and you've been gone for the last three years. And I'm like, hey, man, we got an expansion soccer team in my last, and we got the Falcons with Matt Ryan and Julio Jones. I probably would have assumed that the expansion soccer team would probably like play at some high school off of Spaghetti Junction. Um, and I wouldn't. I would be shocked if their stadium even held thirty thousand. So obviously, I would say the Falcons. Yeah, that's just not the United. It's just where things are right now, man. Yep, pretty wild. I would like to start the show on a more hopeful note and end with the depression, as opposed to depression and then hopeful. I thought How's this was Atlanta's own an Atlanta depression podcast. I thought that was our name. Uh, we did rename it to that, so. We, I mean, we can start with the depressing stuff, whatever, whatever you want to do. Okay, tr- try me on positive. I think I, I'll probably spin it back to negative pretty quickly. Sure. But. So I've watched all three Hawks games so far this year, and I'm loving what I'm seeing from the team. Um, 
really mostly loving what I'm seeing from Trey Young. Uh, without him, I don't think we would have won any of the games we won, and I don't think we would have been that much in the Philly game as much as we were, even though we have gotten some good contributions all the way around. But Trey Young, Eastern Conference Player of the Week, I think in those two games um, he played during that week, he scored 75 points and had um, an average 15 assists per game. The only two people that have done that is Larry Bird and Russell Westbrook in the history of the NBA. Uh, so that's pretty impressive, even though I know it's only two games. But I think you see the confidence in Trey Young. He's, he's approaching triple-double level every game. He's leading the team in a very efficient way. He's not forcing a shot like he was earlier in the year last year. I mean, pretty much since February of last year, last season, excuse me, he's been he's been one of the better point guards in the league. And, I'm, and people who might think I'm being, you know, it's hyperbole and sort of homerish. I, I, I would disagree. I mean, I think the guy is, is playing on another level right now. He's, he's tremendous. I mean, he gets everyone involved and he is a lethal scorer from all over the court. Yeah, without a doubt. I mean, he's catching the eye of the national media as well. I've read a bunch of articles on NBA.com, ESPN, all over the place, just talking about Trey Young and kind of what we've seen at the, from the second half that this this Hawks team does has the have the potential to be something special. And like Trey Young is trying to uh, maybe amp that up a little bit and make it happen right now. I mean, he's just been off the charts. Uh, without him, we're not a great team right now. No, I think you still got a bunch of other guys who are sort of figuring their, uh, you know, figuring out how to how to play at the NBA level. And DeAndre Hunter, and particularly Cam Reddish, I think DeAndre Hunter's done a really nice job. He actually leads the team in field goal percentage so far this year, at fifty seven percent clip. And the thing I really like about him is that he's not forcing a shot. He's only attempting like eight ten shots a game, but he's making a count when he he does attempt attempt a shot. And he had uh, sixteen points last night. And he's on an innings uh, limit, a minute, a minute's <laughs> limit of only thirty minutes, and so uh, he's playing very good defense. He's he's making nice passes, getting getting you know four or five boards a game. He looks really good. Yeah, I mean he, he looks like a veteran already. I mean he played, I mean four years of college ball, so we knew he'd be ready to play, and he's showing it. He's he's team first, all about that defense, and he'll take a shot when it's there, but he's not going to force it at all. Um, and then with Reddish. I was you had said the thing last week about his defense. And yeah, I mean it, it has been very impressive. So I mean he's three games in, scoring it's been awful, but you can see that he's got a good shot. Uh I'm not worried about him yet. And he he's not gonna be a starter. Like Kevin Herter's still this is basically his preseason. And he Herter's starting to show some signs, so he's gonna be back in and Cam's gonna be a guy coming off the bench where he's probably a little more suited, better suited right now. Yeah, I think Cam needs to continue to develop, and I think one thing that's uh, a little odd, though, is just is I, I figured he would struggle a little bit offensively, but not to this degree so far. And I'm not like like you were saying, I'm not panicking yet or anything, but only averaging three, a little over three points a game, shooting 22 percent from the field, um, hasn't made a three pointer yet, and he's taken a decent amount of them. Uh, yeah, he looks a little lost offensively, but I will say the defensive effort is there. And I think that's a lot to, to build on. And I think we need to give him a very long leash. And uh, no one should worry about him yet. And that's exactly what uh, Coach Pierce said today when someone asked him about Reddish. And um, he was saying, look, he's not worried about his offensive game. He's way too talented. And that's something that's going to come. But his bigger concern is his defense. And he's proving that he can defend at this level, uh, which is tougher for a lot of young guys to do coming into the league. So 
that's a good sign to hear from Coach Pierce there. Yeah, and I think the strategy by Schlenk and, and Pierce and the and the organization is is working very nicely so far in the sense that, you know, we are containing folks better than than we uh, previously had. Uh, the defense has taken a massive step up, I think, so far this year. We're seeing more contested shots. John Collins is becoming more of a presence in the interior. Had four blocks against the Magic the other night. Looked outstanding. We're still allowing a lot of open three-pointers, but overall, and that might have been part of the strategy last night with Philly in particular because they shoot a lot of threes, but they don't have a lot of good three-point shooters, ironically. Uh, you know, Joel Embiid killed us, but he's a freak of nature. But I'm really, I'm really happy seeing the effort from Reddish, Hunter, and Bruno Fernando really stepping up a lot on defense. Um, those guys are contributing tremendously to the effort. Well, his Fernando's often – I mean, I knew – I didn't know much about him except he was a, a big dude that could throw it down. Um, but he's got a lot more offensive touch than I anticipated. I think he had like 11 points last night. He's yeah. made a couple threes. Um, that's pretty promising. And maybe, maybe he's a uh, – I know the Hawks had him ranked as a first-rounder. That he was on their board in the first round, and they traded up in the second round to get him. So, hopefully, that's a, a schlenk steal right there. Yeah, we're seeing. Uh, and you know, the thing that's really impressive about Fernando is that he scored those eleven points in only sixteen minutes. He's not playing that much. You know, uh, first game played fourteen, second game nine, last night sixteen minutes. And but you know, regardless of that, he's incredibly efficient when he's on the floor too, and he's got a high field goal percentage. Um, as well, and I'm I'm very pleased. He's easily exceeded my expectations. I didn't know how much playing time he was going to get, or when he got it, how effective he would be. But he's looking uh, really good so far. He's looking a hell of a lot better than Alex Lynn. Yeah, Lynn. I think it was over four, over five from three in the, the game against Philly, where he hits one of those, and maybe we pull out a W. Yeah, he had a couple a couple opportunities down the stretch where he was just wide open, and you had to give mm-hmm. him the ball, and he uh, couldn't make it fall down. So that that's a little little upsetting, but everyone was uh, pretty excited about the way they fought against Philly, though. Yeah, that was a really good game. And honestly, if we had just made four or five more free throws, we would have won the game. So I think the the biggest thing to take away from these first three games is that the that the Hawks are making a statement here. They they crushed Detroit on the road. Granted, they were missing Blake Griffin, but they looked really good. They beat a Magic team that came in and, and swept them in all four games last season, and then they took one of the better teams in the East, the 76ers to the wire and almost won. I mean, there were one Vince Carter running three-pointer away from winning the game or four or five made free throws from winning the game. So a lot to build on, a lot to be excited about. And Trey Young looks like a legitimate superstar. Yeah, as long as we, we need to figure out the second union, who's who's going to facilitate the offense when Trey's on the bench. Uh, Evan, hopefully Jabari Parker is going to be that points guy when Trey's on the bench. Uh, he had a great first game. He looks um, good. Kind of fell off the second couple games. He wasn't as good as he was in that first game. But overall, I mean, he's he's beefed up. Yeah. There was funny when I was watching the, the, the Pistons game, uh, there's this huge guy in the interior just dunking on people. I was like, who the fuck is this guy? I was like, oh, my gosh, Jabari Parker's gaining like 20 pounds of muscle. He's just getting inside and being nasty and – dunking over people with without fear. Uh, I, I'm liking what I'm seeing from him. I know, you're like you mentioned last night, uh, wasn't as solid as the, the other two nights, but uh, you got to like what you're getting from him. Evan Turner, don't really uh, know what to expect from him. He's actually out tonight nursing a sore Achilles, and you got to wonder how much he's going to play 
on back-to-back nights, uh, considering that he's got that that sort of lingering issue going on. And you're exactly right. Who is who will who will help, especially from the point guard standpoint? Is it Bembry? Is it Herder? Um, you know, when when Evan Turner can't go. But the good news here is. I mean, they're off to. I mean, getting off to two zero start is big for these guys to mm-hmm. just get a little confidence going. Make sure we don't fall into too much of a slide here. While I mean, these guys are still learning how to play with each other, and it already looks pretty damn good. Yeah. So they're only going to get better from here. Yeah. DeAndre Hunter looks as solid as they come. I mean, we mentioned the defense and the efficiency, but I, I sense no has like th- this moment's not too big for him. Like he's like ice water in his veins, just doing going out and doing his thing. I'm, I'm loving what I'm seeing from him. Um, John Collins also looks good, averaging 14 and 10 so far. I want to see him get the ball a little more and and play a little more. I think he only played in like 30 minutes uh, against the the Magic. I think we played 33 last night. So I, I want to see him up the up the minutes a little bit because um, I think you know outside of Trey, he's our best player. Yeah, he, I mean, he really hasn't gotten. I mean, he was doing his John Collins double doubles things, but he hasn't have he hasn't had that big scoring night yet. Yeah, he hasn't gone off. He hasn't gone off. Yeah, you're right. Um, but yeah, I mean, they're they're much watch TV right now for sure. Must watch TV. Um, wait, and it's awesome. Yeah, glad to have them back. That 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 takes the sting out of uh, the whole Braves blowing it and Falcons being one seven. Yes, ordeal we got going on. Right, and and that's the thing too. Is like this week is the first week I've actually felt kind of normal since the Braves lost. So I think I'm kind of over our uh, our most recent uh, playoff futile effort. And then the the Falcons sucked again. So then it was like the Hawks start going, and uh, I'm I'm in a much better mood now with the Hawks on TV. That's good, Graham. And, and doing their thing. I'm looking forward to going and getting down to, to the State Farm Arena, yeah. as they call it now, and uh, witnessing these guys in action. Get some of those eighteen dollar double linker drinks down there. Oh yeah. <laughs> um, if we are talking about the Falcons today, which I assume we are, Graham. Yes, we have to. We're contractually obligated. I'm I need to start off by apologizing to the team, the Atlanta Falcons, um, and our users, because. I discovered that I've been watching the Falcons games in the wrong place this entire season. Mm. I've got a little... So should we fire you instead of Dan Quinn and Thomas Dimitrov then? I mean, I think I should have some accountability on this 1-7 start for sure. I mean, so I've got this like little TV upstairs that's like never used, except when someone's playing darts. Sure. And the only other time I watched it upstairs i can't even remember why i was upstairs it was week two Mm. i watched the entire game from that tv and we beat the eagles and we beat the eagles haven't watched a single second of falcons football (laughs) on that tv until this past week in the second half graham you were there we watched the first half downstairs we were down 24 nothing we move upstairs and what happens graham you start to score some points Score 11 points in that damn third quarter. A very pe- peculiar number for an NFL game, but 11 points nonetheless. Well, we outscored them 20-3 to three while we're watching on that TV? Yes, overall. Yes. Correct. So, that's on me, Graham. Yeah, you didn't Apologize get Apologize to you, well, too. Now, you just stay away from it, as far as I'm concerned. We, we need to lose as many games as possible to get a top three, four pick. It's not gonna, you know we're going to win six games, six, seven games. 
That's going to be so frustrating. We're going to like just dominate the NFC South. Young Ho Koo is going to come in and just be the best kicker in the NFL. He's 14 for 14. As a legend. And his time as an Atlanta legend. In case you missed the news, Graham's favorite kicker of all time, Matt Bryant, was released today uh, at 44 after two more missed field goals this past week. He was 9 of 14 on the season. And um, it was really the only correct decision the Falcons made all off season when they did not bring him back. Originally, that yeah, was the correct, I guess, decision, and they had to go back on it because Tavecchio blew it. And now, and now, also, Bryant, Trey Young is on the ground writing in pain uh, live as we speak. So I am scared. This will completely destroy my spirits for the rest of the year. Let's hear what uh, Dominique and uh, Bob Rathman have to say, guys. Hopefully, it looks worse than what it is. Oh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> Trey Young being taken off the, the floor, walking on, not really walking under his own power. Jesus Christ. Well, that's, I wanted sports gods. Well, that's true to Atlanta right there. As soon as and he get, just made like a three from almost like the half court line. He just like, shoots it like it's a normal everyday shot, like me shooting a layup. Oh, man. If Trey's out, that's going to suck. Anyway, let's get back to the other depressing news of Matt Bryant. Yeah, hey. go ahead, Graham. Sorry, that threw I, me off. Yeah, I think you can go back and forth on whether the right thing to uh, do was to bring Bryant back or not. Um, Did you see what he looked like this year? He looked like he aged about five years. Well, in the off it, it, it's really the 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 biggest thing was I know he missed that extra point against Arizona, but the thing was he couldn't make field goals from fifty yards anymore consistently. I think he was like one for four, three or something. I don't know. I'm not even going to look at the stats. He wasn't good from long distance. He wasn't good overall. Um, but it's really sad. He's one of the he's the 13th most uh, accurate kicker in the history of the NFL. He is the best kicker for the Falcons have ever had, bar none. Morton Anderson. He's better than Morton Anderson. Oh, I don't know about that. He's group. more accurate. Yeah. He made you, the only reason you have you to look at those stats before you throw that out. Morton, there. Morton Anderson. Yeah, I don't know if he's more accurate or not. But uh, I like Matt Bryant more. I, I have more of a connection to Matt Bryant. He, he kicked longer for us. And Matt Bryant also just made so many huge kicks for us. And he was the only part of the team over the course of his career that had any modicum of consistency. The one year he doesn't, of course, it doesn't really matter because the team sucks so much anyway. So it's just kind of sad that the one part that we were so sure on all these years and Matt Bryant is now one um, has unfortunately become a shell of himself, and two, um, is no longer no longer with us. And I think this is sort of a foreshadowing. I mean, even though we already know it's coming, but this is like the first domino to fall in the sense of the end of who we knew as the Atlanta Falcons. You know, the guy who had been our glue for so many years from a position like think about the Bears with Cody Parkey and, and teams like that, or the Vikings with Blair Walsh having good teams but having shitty kickers. We always had a good kicker, shitty team or not. And, you know, he was so, so important and taken for, for granted, I think. I mean, I love Matt Bryant. I wish him the best, and I hate that it ended this way. But this is the first part of the end of this iteration of the Atlanta Falcons. Well, it kind of sucks, too. Today was the trade deadline, 
and they didn't do anything besides release Matt Bryant, which, I mean, he is the least of our concerns because, I mean, it doesn't matter if we have a kicker right now because we suck either way. Right. Um, kicker ain't going to help you when you're down 24 nothing in the in the first half. A halfway decent kicker is a lot easier to find than an entire roster of NFL players. Yeah. Which we need a lot of right now. Indeed. Um, and we didn't do anything today to set ourselves up for future trades, which is, future cap space, which is nothing. Yeah, and I don't know if that's a product of we just couldn't find a good deal or, or what. I mean, who the hell knows? But, I mean, one of the, the reasons why, you know, we'd heard that Arthur Blank said, I'm not going to do anything until the bye week regarding anything. And then he's pretty much like, I'm not going to do anything now that it is the bye week. And I thought one of the reasons they were doing that was because Quinn and Dimitrov were going to make last-ditch attempts to keep their jobs by trading away assets that may have value. And who better to do that than those guys because they they know the roster. As, as much shit as we want to give them, they know the roster, right? I mean, you don't want to bring someone in who has no experience. Hey, you've got three or four days before the trade deadline. Go, or not even that, that many days, two days. Uh, go try and trade these guys. You know what I mean? I mean, that would just... Everything would have been even more chaotic than it already is, but nothing got done, and we're in a shitty position. Uh, you know, we couldn't, we didn't, we, we we rebuked trades for Austin Hoover, which is fucking stupid. Um, I, I heard we tried to move Vic Beasley, but who the hell's going to take him? But it sucks though, because it's like we're too stupid to trade Hooper, and we've given such shit contracts to Vic and Devontae, even though Vic's contract runs out this year, no one's going to want Vic Beasley, and no one's going to want Devontae at that price. He's still got two years left on his deal, an aging running back who doesn't have what he what he used to. And Trufant's injured, so he has no value. So it's like the, the – forget the fucking, you know, Seahawks game. I mean, it, that, that was what it was. It was a team, you know, I think in the Seahawks that, that lapsed in the second half and let us come back on them. I don't think we really did anything that special, to be honest. I mean, Matt Schaub throws for 460 yards or whatever it was, but it gives a shit, right? I mean, it's like... Yeah, that was pretty surprising to see. I'm glad you brought up Schaub today. Yeah. Um, I mean, good for him, but... Yeah. I kind of noticed it as well, and I heard a couple other people mention this. Didn't it seem like Schaub was getting rid of the ball a lot quicker than Matt Ryan does? Because he was playing behind the same line. But when we were watching it, I even commented, man, our line looks a lot better. And you you had said that they're not getting any pressure. Seahawks aren't, no. But I feel like he was getting rid of the ball a lot quicker as well than Matt Ryan does. Well, I mean, they didn't do anything in the the first half. And I think – and I'll also have a little Matt Ryan detractor moment here. I think, you know, if you look at when we've been effective this year offensively as a a cohesive unit – Right, it's in the second half, and we're already down big, and guys are going in the the secondary's playing off on us. You know, I think the Rams game was just an example of their line's really good, our line sucks, and Matt had no. I mean, I don't think you could have put anyone back. I don't think you could put Tom Brady back there, or or Lamar Jackson, or or anyone who's actually you know having a good season and expect them to do well with that line with Wes Schweitzer and and McGarry the way they're playing. I I I don't. Put any value in Matt Schaub having 466 yards or him getting the ball out faster. Matt Ryan would have had a similar game, if not, I think he would have had a much better game. I think we would have thrown for more touchdowns. I mean, I, I think anyone who's trying to make, well, what's the point of, of people trying to say that? Um, just that there's, maybe there is more Matt can be doing. I, I, dis- I don't think anyone's saying Matt Schaub is better than Matt yeah, Ryan. I disagree. But. I think you 
can't say that off of one game. And I think if you put Matt Schaub in that, and everyone's going to say Matt Schaub threw that touchdown at the end of the fucking Rams game. But I mean, they they didn't give a shit at that point because they were up so by like you know double digits. So who cares? So of course he got a touchdown at the end of the game. It's, it's just like you know the Seahawks didn't give a shit that second half. They had the game one. It was twenty four to nothing. So, I mean, we could have won, but you know what I mean? It's just like they're playing back. They don't have a very good defensive line. Um, I, I don't put any stock in that. I wanted to win that analysis. Game, though, I would like to win that game, too, but I don't put any stock in that analysis, honestly. Because Matt Ryan, lest we forget, even though he's been only out for one week, before this week was like second in passing yards and second in touchdowns. So don't give me that shit. Like, whoever has that opinion can go fuck themselves. The opinion was that the, Matt could do more. He no, everything. It was the most do. neutral fucking comment on Matt Schaub's performance, and you take it from like a two but, to a ten. But you just, just said like that. that maybe Matt Ryan could be doing more. He could be doing more. I think that's fair to say. But so you're saying based off Matt Schaub's performance against a shitty. It, if Matt Ryan could get rid of the ball quicker, he wouldn't have it. Get sacked as much. No one could have gotten the ball rid of the ball quicker in, in the Rams game. And the Seahawks have a shit. The Seahawks have the worst defensive line that we faced all season. I don't think you know that for a fact. Vikings, great defensive line. Eagles, one of the top defensive lines in the league. Colts, Matt Ryan had a great game during in that game. Cardinals, Cardinals, Matt Ryan also had a great game. Hey, so I'm just saying the eyeball test, Graham. Okay. Fuck, I don't know. I, I. And maybe we'll, maybe we'll get to see it again. Maybe we will. You know, I would shut. Maybe Matt, I'll go back and watch the tape. I'll shut Matt Ryan down for the rest of the year. Might as well. Like, there's no point in him going out there and getting murdered in a season that's over. That'd be the worst possible thing he can do because this is an offensive line that is trash. That you know, when we're actually playing against better teams like the Saints next week, who are going to absolutely destroy us. Oh, that's going to be um, – Drew Brees looked good too, man. Oh, yeah. He's back, and it looks like he hasn't missed a beat after missing six or seven weeks. And the uh, the Hawks, like um, like our lives, are having technical difficulties right now broadcasting the basketball game. I've never seen this during a live Hawks broadcast before. Everyone's too worried about Trey Young. Yeah. I would the the unofficial obvious word is it's an ankle injury. Oh, wow. That's, uh, that's, that's something. Uh, that's all we got so far. Man. Okay. Um, but yeah, that really sucks of all players to get injured. Yeah, it's awful. And, um, and of all the times in our Atlanta sports life to have that player get injured, hopefully it's not bad. Hopefully, hopefully it just yeah. misses a couple games. Exactly. You know, do whatever you need to do to ensure he's healthy. Um, I guess some positives from the Falcons. Um, even though he was beaten a couple of times, Kendall Sheffield covering Tyler Lockett, even though he got 100 yards receiving. He was, like, right there. He was right on Lockett, had pretty good man coverage on him. Was playing him physical. It's just Russell was literally threading the needle. I mean, there were passes that were going to Lockett that were, like, right past Sheffield's fingertips and, and whatnot. I mean, I liked what I saw from Sheffield. I know he's, he's – I mean, for being a rookie, being thrown in that situation against Lockett, who's a huge speed guy, I like what I saw from him, um, you know. I mean, that's pretty much the only positive I can really take. That's the only positive you can, you can get right now is these young guys getting a chance to play. Yeah. I was all excited for my boy John Comiskey to get some playing time. I see him out on the field one play. I'm like, all right, let me see what John does on this play. Immediately, like, tears his Achilles, ruptures it. I don't know if he's out for the season. I haven't even heard anything. But so you got to rupture Achilles. If it's anything, you're Achilles, you're done for a long time. Yeah. So. 
Um, Maybe I'll fact check that one while you say your next little spiel. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, mistakes made again in this game. Terrible pick by Schaub. Um, Devontae Freeman fumbling in the red zone. Um, like we have, I think it's something like a minus 11 turnover differential for the whole year or something like that. Might be even worse than that. Like we, we are just one of the worst teams in football. It's, it's incredible in all, all three phases. And I mean, if Devontae holds on to that ball, because they're actually driving. I mean, shit, I don't know. He could have won the game. Wasn't that two games now this year where if Devontae doesn't fumble, we probably win? Yeah, he had a bunch of fumbles uh, the earlier in the season. Was it the Colts? The Colts game he fumbled, yeah. I mean, it's just little things like that. And then we, and he always does it in the red zone. Yeah. Trying and, to stretch out to, for a touchdown, yeah. like the one. We had all the – like, it was going to be first down. Like, we had all the momentum. We were going to score a touchdown. Yeah, there. we were, like, at the four or something. But the fact that he's – the the thing that upset me the most is like he's reaching out when he's being tackled by like two guys, and he's nowhere close to the the goal line. I mean, not that he's nowhere close, but you know what I mean. Like him reaching out is going to make a difference. So it's just a, such a poor poor decision on his part. Yeah, he's. I just have a dark place in my heart for Devontae Freeman. Remember what he said, Adam. He's the best running back in the league. I do remember that, and I also remember him. Asking for a contract extension before the Super Bowl, the week before the Super Bowl. And let's think about it, too. Oh, yeah, during the – yeah, when we actually were in the Super Bowl. 13 carries for 39 yards, eight catches for 63 yards, solid day receiving. But, I mean, I mean, I know the offensive line is, is, is bad, too. But, I mean, like, Brian Hill comes in for only three three carries because 29 yards and has that huge touchdown. Run. Has he played all year? Like, where where has he been? I honestly – Where has Brian Hill been? I Like – I don't understand why Kenyon Barner was getting snaps before Brian Hill. Or Quadri Allison. Yeah. Like, Brian Hill looked great. Yeah. Like, I think we go into next year. Next week, put Brian Hill out there. Make him the starter. Whatever. Make, make but Kadri like, the back. I'm saying I'm fine if we eat some of Devontae's money. Let's just go into next year with Ito, Brian Hill, and Allison. Yeah. Whatever. Should, you, can, you can work with that. We should trade him. Or just release him. Yeah, I, I don't think you're going to get anyone to trade him. I do think they release Vic Beasley before the end of the season. You think so? If they release Matt Bryant for not performing, how do you justify not re- and a guy who's not paid next year? How do you justify not releasing Vic Beasley? I'll agree with you on that. I'll agree with you right there, hundred percent. Did you see that article about Vic that came out today? I think about why we actually resigned him. Yeah, there was something about wanting to uh, keep. He's represented by the same group that represents Grady and someone else. Grady and Julio and maybe Dion. Yeah, and so they thought by I guess the thing is by keeping Vic there. You know, they're trying to keep him happy. They're trying to I, trying to keep that group happy. I can't even pro- like the reason I can't speak right now is just like that's so fucking stupid. To give a guy twelve million dollars, and I think that's the biggest problem with this team, is that it's too much kumbaya bullshit. It's too much love. There's no, there's no one to stir the pot. There's no one to talk shit. You don't have a guy like um, Dwight Freeney motivating. You don't have a guy like Brian Cox out there talking shit. And and you know he would, lest we forget, he was the guy that was there coaching the defensive line when we got when he got sixteen sacks or whatever the hell it was. 
you know, say what you will about. I mean, Brian Cox was, you know, he was in, like, remember, he was the coach during the Smitty years, too. Yeah. He was on people's asses. He was pushing them to their limits. We don't have anyone like that. Everyone's just, it's just like this PC love fest, and no one wants to get up each other's ass. And everyone talks about this emotional speech Julio got, but you know what? God damn it. Start calling people out at this point. I don't know. Do something different. Do something different to change the, the the morale of the locker room in the sense of just stop saying that we have to do better. You know, say, hey, Vic, you fucking suck, man. And you're not you're not you're not playing well and you should be benched. Make changes. Well, do you something you don't different. have to tell him all that to his face. He could just bench him and let that do the speaking for you. But I'm just saying it's like make you know, hold people accountable. Yeah, being a player's coach is it's obviously not working right now. No, it's like hold people accountable and yeah, you're right. You shouldn't Put Vic in front of the whole team and say, hey, everybody, doesn't Vic suck ass? I mean, don't do that, but yeah, just do something. Don't let him play. Like, bench Tack, bench Vic. Put other people they're out not, there. They're not doing anything. It's not yeah. like we're going to play any worse. Right. Let everybody know this isn't acceptable, man. Bench Devontae. 13 carries for 39 yards? Are you fucking kidding me? He had some receiving yards there, too, though. Oh, yeah, I don't know. He had 63 receiving yards, and that's that's fine. But I'm just saying, it's like, it's another reason why we can't get anything going, or we're very one dimensional offensively is because we can't run the football. And that's not all on Devontae, but I know that some of that's on our line, but son of a bitch. Yeah. I love Dan... No bueno, sorry. I love Dan Quinn, too, going for it on our uh, our own 30 or whatever it was on 4th and 1, but not going for it on 4th and 1 when we were in field goal range for a kicker that appears that like he can't um, you know, kick field goals from that distance anymore. And it's also like you have nothing left to lose. Yeah. So why not go for it there? Yeah, he's proven time and time again that he's not a uh, a game day coach. No. We have a defense that can't force any turnovers. Thank God we finally got some sacks. Grady got a sack, and someone else got a sack that I can't remember. Davison. Tyler Davison. Whoopty fucking do. Um, first sack since September 22nd against the Colts. I don't think you're capable of talking about the Falcons without getting extremely worked up, are you? No, at least until Quinn's fired. I I don't know what you what what you gain at this point to let him coach out the season. Yeah, nothing. Because I think we talked about this on Sunday. I don't think we mentioned this on the podcast, but it's like if you let Dan Quinn stay, the players can hide behind that shit, even if they don't do it consciously. Subconsciously, they sure as shit can fucking do that. Because then you can always go back to well, you know, inside, you know, I I. I you know, we're protected because, you know, Coach Quinn's not whatever. You can you can blame the coach, regardless of whether it's totally his fault or not, which I don't think it, it totally is his fault. But you, you know, you keep him there, the players can hide behind that. You don't, then it's like you gotta you know, that that should light a fire under people's asses to start playing better because clearly he can't do it. Yeah, we we got some shit players on this team. Like the the two plays were the the touchdowns that they were just wide the hell open. Oh my god, yeah, the D Metcalf. Both times, DK Metcalf. <laughs> I mean, that's that's not on the coaching. That's on the players for not knowing where the hell they're supposed to be. Yeah, like it was literally lining up on the four or five-yard line. Um, Russell Wilson's under center. Like every his line's set. We still have guys moving around, pointing at people, uh, not in position. He doesn't even wait. He just snaps the ball, throws it to wide open Metcalf for an t- easy touchdown. I could have thrown that to Metcalf. Just miscommunication. No one was on it. Remember, right. remember your boy Foyer? Clapping to nobody and then running <laughs> the opposite way away from 
whoever the hell he's supposed to cover. And then I think it was uh, Carson or somebody, or it might have been Penny, whatever. Russell just hits the guy that he should have been covering. It was like, what in the hell well, is that's, going that's on? That's the out other there? thing. We've got, we've got players that were like good the past couple of years that are just like look like rookies again. Yeah. What what happened to Deion Jones? Yeah. He's completely, you know. He's playing, right? Yeah, he's playing. He's he's there. How many tackles he have last week? I don't even know. Four? Yeah. It's like, that's ridiculous for your middle linebacker. Yeah. I mean, Devondre Campbell leads the team in tackles this year, but he's played like, he's you know, that's like Paul Worlow leading the team in tackles back mm-hmm. in the end of the Smitty years. Who should bring Paul, Paul Worlow back? How, how do you feel about uh, Mike Smith's the best Falcons coach of all time? Hmm. He'll have a better record than Quinn, that's for sure. Quinn might not finish over 500. Quinn did, had, is better in the playoffs, I'll say that. He won an NFC Championship, and he actually won another uh, game in the playoffs. I think the only playoff victory Mike Smith got was against the Seahawks in uh, the 2012-2013 season. So we'll say that. Yeah, he caught Quinn caught fire a couple of times, but this is... The third just piss poor season. Yeah, and I, Arthur Blank addressing the media just pissed me off too. It's just like you know you're gonna fire him, just fucking fire him. Like well, why why skate around the subject? Why all this you know continuing to evaluate lip service bullshit? Just do it. Like even like pretty much came out and said he was gonna do it too. In so many words, he's like I've almost had to do this five times. It's like you are gonna do it for the fifth time. Fucking do it, and 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 stop feeding us this pig slop. There's nothing else to talk about, Graham. Oh, United did really well. Beat Philadelphia Union. We already talked about the United. I know. I don't know how else you break that down without any of our soccer correspondents. We're not gonna. Okay. I mean, Joseph Martinez uh, missed a couple goals that he would normally make and then had an unbelievable strike to uh, put us up 2-0 that at the end. That was sick. Um, Defense played well. Defense is really good. Yeah. Guzad had a couple... Dope saves. That damn Guzan is just clutch as they come. There's a weird feeling, I will say this, when I watch Atlanta United, and I'm like I said, I'm not as emotionally invested anywhere close as I am the other three teams. But when I watch them, I just have this eerie calm. I'm just kind of like, I'm sure they're going to win. Like there, there's, there's an unbridled confidence that you just don't get with any of these other teams. Yeah. Um, their organization is managed by people who know soccer. Incredible. Put the right people in the right places. Get the right players. Yeah. And they've struck fire a little bit as well. They have. And then they're resilient, too. I mean, they bring in Frank DeBoer, who doesn't, you know, uh, speak the team's language. I don't mean that their literal language uh, that they speak. I mean, you know, in terms of how he wanted to run things. And now, you know, Joseph tells us last week about how – actually, no, I brought that up about how, uh, you know, he's going to them and saying, what kind of, you know, formation do you guys want to run? And he's working with them, you know? I mean, like, they've literally done a complete 180 from where they were over the course of the season, and now they're a contender again. When everyone thought they were fucked at the beginning of the season. So we pretty much have, like, three or four talking points about the United that we'll just run back yeah, just week to week. <laughs> no, but I'm just saying, like, like, compare that to anyone else. In Atlanta, you wouldn't get that. If if you know, like, look at the Falcons having a horrendous start to their season. I know it's different because MLS plays a shit ton more games. I'm just saying, 
United made adjustments. They turned their season around. They had all the talent, like we think we have all the talent. And maybe that's why the talent, uh, you know, comparison is bullshit there. But I'm just saying they were able to make adjustments and we weren't. Yeah. And we as the Falcons is what I mean. So, whatever. I don't know what the point I'm trying to make is it's just it's just frustrating to see uh, a franchise owned by the same guy that can't, you know, fix its shit. Because Arthur Blank is hands-off soccer. He's too hands-on the football. Well, yeah, when he's – I mean, you got to blame Arthur on some of this stuff too. I mean, he's the guy going out there saying we're going to make, you know, people Falcons for life and all this shit and, and cripple our cap space for the next five years. And literally they're going to be this team walking around – for so long, for the next four or five years, with you know Grady Jarrett, Julio Jones, and Matt Ryan, and that's great. And then everyone else, and Dion, who looks like he sucks now, which is just beyond belief. And you know, then you're just gonna and Devontae, and it's like always, it's it's like a, it's it's just gonna be this walking dead team of once great players. You think we're about to hit the dark ages of Falcons football again? Something doesn't. If we don't move a lot of these pieces, yes. The only guys you can really even think about keeping is Grady, Julio, and Matt at this point. You've got to trade everyone else who has a sizable contract. Trufant also has a huge contract. You can't. No one wants to, would take on those players or those contracts. Yeah, that's the problem. So you're probably stuck with it. And yes, we will enter the dark ages. Nice. So get ready for the next five to six years of just shit Falcons football unless something happens that we can't foresee, which... Is possible. Well, two teams are on the rise. One team's got to go down, Graham. Yeah. Unfortunately, it's the football team. Every four or five years, the Falcons just have to implode. Yeah. Well, I think that wraps up this episode of Atlanta Zone. We'll hopefully see you next week in better spirits. I think we will because we won't have a Falcons uh, game to depress us. Depends on how long Trey Young's out Yeah, for. hopefully Trey Young's okay. And uh, we'll take it from there. But until next time, rise up, chop on, stay in brotherhood, unite and conquer, and remain true to Atlanta. Hospitality. Hospitality. That was depressing.